0: The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.
1: Hello and welcome to the Provoke Podcast. I am Diana Marzalek. I am a senior reporter with Provoke Media and I am happy to have with me today Kathy Bloomgarten, who is CEO of Ruderfins. Kathy, I appreciate you taking the time and here to speak
0: with us. Diane, I'm very much looking forward to our conversation, especially at this milestone moment as we um, can have endured past months of uh, pandemic and can unfortunately look ahead to some additional months that we're going to have to face before we have a rollout of the vaccine.
1: So we are looking at probably like, as you say, additional months. Um, There's a sense among people that I've spoken with, myself included, that one day is, we're just in one long day, one long month, yet you use the word milestone. So I am curious what milestone we are at.
0: Yeah, so I think that um, we had lockdown, of course, uh, during the, the the first few months. Um, and then there, especially in New York, there was a bit of a pause during the summer months, although other parts of the country, of course, uh, had an uptick. But now we have to figure out how we're going to manage this um, because it 's not, not a passing pause that we when we originally thought we were going back and, and, and quarantining for you know, a relatively short to medium period of time now we know we 're going to have to manage this um, for some months still. And so that's, a, that's actually a period where we have to look a little bit differently ahead and figure out what are the trends that we're gonna to have to think differently about, what are the trends we're gonna to have to manage as we try to uh, go through the the winter months, fall and winter months until we have, as I said, a vaccine rollout that helps us get back to a more normal activity level.
1: Well, forecasting the trends and, and moving forward, I imagine it, it is, it's difficult because of the pandemic, Undoubtedly, but we're also sort of in this um, state of unpredictability of what's going to change and fatigue, right? So you're going to try to help companies reach individuals, reach people, reach consumers, reach employees at a time when there's a lot of fatigue and a lot of, um, it's a tough time to reach
0: people. So you know um, that's a really good good uh, um, sort of opening for uh, the trends because all the trends are um, really um, geared in uncertainty, and there are three areas that I think would be great to talk about today. One is the general anxiety that you've just uh, pointed to, um, and it 's fairly profound, and the second is actually working remote because most of us are still going to be working remote, and that does cause anxiety and alienation potentially. And the third is the fact that many, many businesses, if not all businesses are having to think about reinvention and changing their business model, which is also a challenge um, in an era when we're remote. So the, those three things for me are are pillars of how we have to look forward and have to, we have to think about communication. So if I go back to the first point that you've just referenced, Diana, um, the whole point of anxiety, you know we see in the population that something like 35 or 34% of people are reporting being anxious. And that's a huge amount of the population. And if you look at workplaces, um, a recent MetLife study actually showed that a very, very similar number, about 34% are saying that they feel anxious. So we really have to think about how you can address a population that's so uncertain and feeling so uneasy. And that calls for much stronger leadership. So you need to be more present, greater communications, stronger leadership, more ways of keeping people engaged and participating. Um, And that's, you know, a shift in terms of um, the, the amount of time that leaders spend on communicating internally with their staffs. Well, okay, um, that was so, my question, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to make sure we're we yeah. talking about internal communications at this both. point. Okay, okay about both external and internal, because when you're looking for, small, for strong leadership, you know, you want to you want to really hold on to uh, a leader that has a vision. So why are we all in this together? Why are we as a company, you know, as employees, as you know, wh- what's our our reason to be? Um, and I think that people want to hear, and you see that more and more, that this, you know, focus on purpose-driven um, company, um, you know, uh, positioning has become much more important um, in times like these. Um, and you see someone like, like Mark Benioff, who in his recent um, Q th- Q2 earnings call, did something extraordinary. You know, n- normally, to the investor audience... Um, for an earnings call, you're talking mostly about the numbers. But he stopped and he said, You know, our hearts are pained by really what we're seeing here. We need to participate differently. We need to engage differently. We need to really um, think about um, in reinvention differently, and what he called reimagine reinvention. So he was speaking externally about being closer to customers, about really rethinking, you know, the role of the company as what he calls a platform for change. So I think that the external focus, the kind of topics that leaders uh, speak about, their visibility levels, you know, really need to be rethought and, and changed in the context of the world that we're living in today. Um,
1: I imagine that to some degree,
0: barriers
1: or um, uh, delineations between internal communications, external communications, even leaders and, and consumers they haven't gone away, but we're all talking to each other from the, each other's basements. Um, you know, Joe Biden is working, <laughs> running for president from his basement. Um, everybody's working remotely, including the leaders. There's not the glass offices. So, I mean, I don't know if everybody's been a little bit humbled, but we're all kind of in the same boat. And I wonder how that's affected communications.
0: Yeah, I think that, um, I think Mark's, Benioff is right when he talks about um, engagement. Because if you're in your, you know, every day merges into the next, if you're in your basement, you know, you, the risk of alienation, you know, is quite high. Um, you don't have that water cooler effect. You don't just usually zoom to somebody and say, hey, I'm thinking about this problem, what do you think? As you would have done when you're walking by someone's desk. So the um, importance of um, recognizing that there needs to be a structure for better internal communications, you know, now is the time to really. Um, take note of that. And I was surprised because there is a certain amount of pushback and people saying, okay, we'll change forever. We're gonna work, we can work remote, this is working. But this past week in the Wall Street Journal, many well-known CEOs really came out and said, you know, we need to get back to work. We need to be in the same place. We need to really, you know, engage with each other. And that was Tim Cook, it was Jamie Diamond. Um, it was, you know, well-known uh, CEOs. Who were really calling out that they miss that getting together, they miss that sense of community. And I've seen other CEOs talk about the fact that culture, which has become so important to companies, in, you know, in, in recent times, the culture lasts so long that you can, you know, you can really hold on to a culture and endure a period of isolation, months of lockdown, if you will. But eventually, it starts to unravel a little bit. So the internal communications becomes increasingly more important to keep that togetherness, to keep that sense of purpose, to keep that, you know, vision of our working together to innovate and to really reinvent ourselves. So I think the uh, focus on internal communications has become higher and I do think it does uh, relate to and connect to the first point we were talking about, which is that external uh, focus because people, again, feel part of something if they see their CEO to, uh, speaking up, if they see their CEO participating, um, it, it has a, a boomerang effect internally as well. You know, we're proud of being part of this company. We're proud of being here. We're proud of the purpose that brings us to work every day. The
1: anxiety, though, how do you allay the anxiety when there's so many unknowns? Business is an yeah. unknown, politics is an unknown, and the virus is an unknown.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that this is where regular communication becomes so important. Um, you know, we've been having at Ritterfin um, a global town hall every Friday, and I've been so surprised. First of all, I'm great, it's on Zoom, so I'm kind of happy to see all the different faces, um, you know, calling out people, talking to people. When you're in a big room and you have a town hall, you kind of don't even have the same kind of connection. So, you know, and, and, and in our pulse surveys that we do, we've been seeing these, you know, people coming back and saying, oh, my favorite thing are the town halls. Sometimes we don't have anything to say, you know? And we're like, you know, what's our town hall focus gonna be this week? Well, we started doing some fun things together. Um, we started, you know, kind of calling people out and celebrating, you know, small things that they've done. So it's not what you say necessarily, but it's the communication of being together that's become so increasingly important. So in an era of anxiety, increased levels of communication, increased personalization of the contact that you have becomes even more important. And it's, it's, it's crucially important, and I'm you know, also guilty for this, to turn on your, your photo and to turn on your video so that people can see each other, because then you feel like you're together. And in fact, it's really funny because if you get a phone call for someone rather than a Zoom, you feel like, wow, this is so weird. I can't see you. It's like (laughs) old-fashioned communication, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I thought um, about it when you uh, said, you say that sometimes you have nothing to talk about
1: when you talked about um, you're not meeting people at the water cooler to discuss a problem. But sometimes you're also missing, you're not missing, you're, you're not meeting people at the water cooler to talk about what you did on the weekend or a movie or a TV show. I mean, there's all that kind of just connection too that people are
0: not having. Exactly, so we do have um, you know, small teams that get together and have a virtual drink or a virtual hangout. I think it's important too, no work agenda, um, but just being together um, because it does replace what you're you know, that sort of social interconnectivity um, that we have with just sort of hanging out and having a coffee together and that's, that's super important. But you can see that communication and the communication function is, has to have a greater seat at the table today than it did in the past, um, because it, it was you know, at times uh, seen as perhaps not the most crucial strategic function in the company, but I would argue that communication today has become one of the highest priority strategic functions that a company has, both in terms of its outside uh, touch point with its customers, its reinvention, and also its internal culture building uh, communication with, its, with employees.
1: I know the industry has talked about that for a while and communicators, but are you seeing that? I know that you, um, you work closely with CEOs all the time. I mean, are you seeing, was there any reticence to that among your CEOs and are they ex- more accepting of it now um, or are they seeing the light? I mean, how, how is this playing out in terms of actuality in, 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 among CEOs and company leaders?
0: Yeah, so I, I don't know whether there's you know, an objective change in terms of rank and status, but I do know that having a seat at the table in, in important discussions and dialogue, um, communications is there, um, because it is so crucial. Um, what happens um, you know, when we have um, the need to speak out on events that are surrounding us? Um, you know, I, I think that people have to choose their words carefully today. Um, they can inadvertently make a mistake um, where, which, you know, which backfires, or they could say something wrong that, you know, truly is, you know, something that, that, uh, you know, is, is perhaps not well-received by an outside audience. You have the uh, recent example of Wells Fargo, where the CEO was talking about, you know, the uh, racial diversity, um, in terms of hiring, in terms of his leadership team, and unfortunately used language that was, you know, considered inappropriate. You know, communication can really help, to prevent these kinds of things from happening, um, whether again it was intentioned or, Ill, or or just happened by chance when one will never know, but these kind of things um, are are so critically important today to be, to really watch you know how you speak about topics that are so sensitive and so many more topics are becoming sensitive today um, so I think that again communication really definitely has a seat at the table, and if I go to my last area to focus on which is really this area of reinvention, and you know, really, as customers change their behaviors, um, you know, I know uh, how many of us are going to the supermarket in person, right? <laughs> I know, the more I ask of all my, you know, my friends and neighbors and whatever, uh, you know, on Zoom calls, by the way, uh, not getting together with anyone, um, but you know, there, there, people haven't been to the supermarket for like, you know. Eight months, which is um, crazy, right? Because that's like that's like waking up and <laughs> the old brushing your teeth habit, right? I mean, that's what you do in life and feeding, cheating, cheating exactly. Everybody. Dry cleaners, shoe repair shop, yeah, all you know, the boring stuff, stuff. But it's all of a sudden you realize how much that is part of your life. Not happening, right? right. So, so the thing is that so you look at a perfect symbol is actually Walmart. So mm-hmm. now Walmart buying TikTok was that a head scratcher? At first, it was a head scratcher. Yes. You were like, what is that, right? Yes. So I get it, Oracle TikTok. I get it, Microsoft TikTok, You know TikTok, but I'm you know confused about Walmart TikTok. No, we shouldn't be confused because it's about reaching a, a younger audience. It's about changing the way you interact with e-commerce. You know, it's it's about competing with Amazon, um, just as they have their like you know Walmart Plus, which is like you know um, competitive, so called competitive against Amazon Prime, which they're just introducing. So I think. This kind of like symbol of reinvention you know that 's another really good example of where communication has to has to play a very strong role because you have to completely reach out in a different way. you have to completely reposition the company um, as, as a different entity with different capabilities and, and different spot in people 's lives. Um, so I think that that 's another area um, which is I guess this, this drastic change in digitization that 's happening in every single industry. Communication is really, really critical um, to make to enabling that and making that happen.
1: I you used the word um, anxiety when we first started, and we talked about that as the general population and, and um, employees. But then we revisited um, situations like the um, unfortunate gap at Wells Fargo, and I got to think that CEOs now are anxious too. I mean, they're, they're businesses, who knows? Um, And then their communications, you say one wrong word and you're, you know, (laughs) you're screwed. So I imagine as communicators, there must be a lot of work or also having to relay their anxiety,
0: not just consumers and employees' anxiety. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, CEOs are caught in between, right? Because the pressure for them to be visible and vocal is very high. Um, So what are you doing on these topics is really kind of the refrain, right? At the same time, they have to be so cautious, so you really, you really are caught in a squeeze between these two pressures that are in some ways um, countervailing pressures. So the communication can really help you to navigate that. When do you speak out? Obviously, you can't speak out on every single topic. You have to choose topics that are personally important, that are relevant to the, your consumers, that are, you know, again, critical for your employees. So there's a real process of thinking through when and where to speak up. At the same time, there's an issue with, um, again, being very thoughtful and sensitive about language you use and who you speak to um, and managing the crisis that can ensue. Because is, uh, even with the greatest communications, you know, there are these flare ups that happen um, that just are you know, going to happen in such a sensitive environment where anxiety levels are quite high. Absolutely.
1: So we're moving into the fall. Um, What do you see changing or where are we in the moment in terms of internal communications? As you mentioned, we're probably not going back to the office anytime soon, correct? Um, Employees are not going, employees and I'm sorry, consumers are not going shopping or doing this. So what are you doing or how do you see communications going in this next phase of the pandemic?
0: Yeah, I think that rather than looking at your employees and trying to manage a short-term phase. We're now in this milestone we talked about at the beginning, entering into a period where you have to sort of shift the way you're thinking about employees and, and, and actually the efforts and activities and engagement that you have, which means, for example, that knowing that people feel perhaps slightly alienated, that, people, that we have to keep our culture together, that we have to be sure that we're empathetic and we're understanding Um, You know, people have kids at home, you know, homeschooling. There are potentially um, older parents who are not doing well, who need help. So there are all kinds of personal, you know, uh, pressures. And we need to be far more empathetic in general. And that means, again, that the communication, the tone, the regularity, um, the type of communication has to shift at this point in time.
1: You mentioned empathy, but that's also action, right? You can say anything correct? But how do you really communicate? How does a company could be ginormous? How does a a company really um, communicate empathy?
0: Yeah. So I, you know, I see more and more that um, we're looking at individual company, um, you know, employee problems and being sympathetic about it. And if people are responding to a LinkedIn, you know, often LinkedIn is actually reaching a very high percentage of uh, CEOs, internal audiences, that there's a response you know, it's not, oh, HR will respond to that, you know, it's, it's no longer um, kind of shuffled off to the HR department. There is a real and genuine feeling that you do need to reach out and you do need to be very thoughtful and you need to inquire about people's health, their family's health and how, how they're managing. Um, so there is a higher level, when I say empathy, there's a higher level of personal connection um, between leadership in general and um, layers, you know, within the company. And what's
1: the lasting effect of this? Eventually we hope we'll have a, va- a vaccine. Eventually we hope we will be able to leave our homes and go back to the office. If, if in fact that will, if, if we will go back to the office, I mean, how, what do you see as the, 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 the long lasting lessons or changes?
0: Yeah, so I think, I think that um, the importance of strong leadership um, I think will remain with us. And the feeling you saw that starting with Business Roundtable that this purpose focus began already last fall but I think it's going to become more deeply rooted. Of course, it will moderate to some degree, and, and it will evolve. But I think that the era of going into the fact that you know we're only shareholder focused is going to actually you know draw to a close. And I think that we'll ha- have a host of problems that we need to solve coming out of the pandemic. You know, economic issues that need to be addressed. Um, skill, you know, new skills that need to be, uh, you know, uh, trained into the population. I think that as, as Mark Benioff said in his uh, second quarter was, uh a conference call, you know, companies are a platform for change. So I think that we really need to look at that and see how are the companies in leader and their leadership going to actually play a different role. And again, these things will moderate, so it won't be, you know, extreme. Um, but I think that we will see a shift there. I also think that the focus on, you know, more flexibility in the workplace, it doesn't mean that people will work remote or that you can work whenever you want, wherever you want, take as much vacation, whatever it is. You know, I I think of course we need structures and we need people to be productive in order for enterprises to, you know, grow and succeed, but there'll be more flexibility um, in terms of how how we navigate that and how we create companies of the future. Um, and In terms of the business model, I think that we'll have a constant reinvention process you know it's interesting because while we've all heard about small and medium sized businesses you know disappearing, and that's certainly the case, we can see that in New York when you just are out on the street. But I did see some really Im- impressive numbers that the number of applications for new business starts was at its highest level um, since two thousand and seven, which is kind of strange and I think there's, I think that what we'll ultimately see is this interaction with big companies and and innovative um, ideas that are cropping up with startups, so that the startup and the and the and the large multinational interface um, will actually hopefully coming out of the pandemic be more robust, which will again engender a higher level, level of of reinvention, of innovation, of reimagination of the kind of services that we're bringing to consumers. So I hope that those are the things that actually endure um, in this you know somewhat painful. Uh, period and i think that more of us will actually um uh, redecorate our basements <laughs> i'm in the midst of just cleaning <laughs> okay
1: well i appreciate the conversation as always and um you know we will keep this
0: conversation going right because we got a while yes. yet thank so. you so much Diana. we'll see how the milestone passes and where we end up as we do the turn of the year we'll come back and talk to each other in the in the early new year that sounds good all right take care okay take care Bye. You've been listening to The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.